Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by expert in twice exceptionality, Julie Skolnick, to discuss her top 10 strategies for successful communication between parents and educators of 2E students. Hi, Julie. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me on the show, Tristan. Absolutely. We're very excited about this topic. So let's hop right on in and have you introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? (laughs) Okay. Well, I thank you for asking. I am Julie Skolnick. I'm the founder of With Understanding Comes Calm. That's my service. Um, And I started it back in 2014, so almost 10 years ago. And um, I started by, my tagline was supporting parents of gifted and distractible kids. And Mm -hmm. over the years that morphed. And now I'm really working still one-on-one or one-on-two with parents all over the world, uh, as well as two E or twice exceptional adults. I train teachers and I help clinicians understand the profile that is called twice exceptional. I also run a um, on-demand uh conference as well as groups. I have a two the two E adult haystack where we can find all of those two E adult needles in that haystack membership. <laughs> and uh parent empowerment groups. We're launching a course in February of 2024. And about almost two weeks ago, 13 days ago, I published to this recording, I published my book Gifted and Distractable understanding, (laughs) understanding, (laughs) supporting, and advocating for your twice exceptional child. So lots of speaking, lots of writing, free newsletter on our website with understandingcomescom.com. I always say pack snacks if you're going to our website, because you'll be there a while. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff. (laughs) So I think that was the best, you know, people ask me to give an elevator speech and I always say, I'm delighted to give an elevator speech, but my building is really tall. (laughs) Well, that was fabulous. It sounds like you guys do a lot and a lot of really helpful things for those parents and for adults, like you said. Um, so that's and so teachers. exciting. And teachers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you gave us your website, which is again with with understanding comes calm.com. Perfect. And can people find you in like physically? Do you have a like a center or anything? So I, my office is at my home and I happen to be on the East coast in Maryland, but I have clients really on every continent. So, wow. so you don't have to live down the street. And even if you live down the street, sometimes people prefer virtual anyway. So there's lots of different ways to connect and work together if that's of interest. And you can find out all the stuff at with understandingcomescalm.com by clicking your your stakeholder, whether you're a parent and educator or two E adult. Also Perfect. everywhere on social media. So if you look at Julie Skolnick with understanding comes calm or let's talk two E, you will find me on every social media channel as well as YouTube. And Perfect. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So I'll pop all that in the show notes and people Thank can you. find you in whatever medium works best for them. Super. Awesome. Well, let's jump into this. Let's start with what 2E means, because I'm sure some people are like, what is that? (laughs) Yeah, right. Wait, they said twice exceptional also. Are they all the same plus good and distractible? What the heck? What are you calling this? Okay. So (laughs) this is this is me all day, every day. So 2E, the number two and the lowercase letter E, or twice exceptional. Some people say multi-exceptional. 
Some people say GTLD, gifted, talented, learning difference or learning disabled. I prefer learning difference. I, I cast my net quite widely and say gifted and distractible, but it is somebody who's identified as gifted mm-hmm. who has a learning difference or learning differences associated uh, or tangentially to the giftedness. So anything okay. from ADHD to dysgraphia, dyslexia, autism uh, can be working memory, processing speed, anxiety, social emotional challenges, and many, many other, other um, conditions that come along and coexist with giftedness. Wow. Okay. So twice exceptionality, I feel like is something isn't that isn't like talked about necessarily. People are always like, my kid has dyslexia, but they don't get to the gifted part. So (laughs) thank you for explaining that. I think that is very important for people to remember and recognize. Um, So our main talk today is how parents can go about successful communication with the educators of their their kiddos, right? So right. how do we start that conversation? Um, or when do we start that conversation between the teachers and the parents? So it's such a great question, Tristan. And actually, um, what you're saying was making me realize that I need to explain how misunderstood the population is. So yeah. I've worked with teachers before. Uh, I remember this one particular teacher I worked uh, for a client. She asked me, would I meet with the teacher team and sort of present her son and explain the discrepancy or the asynchrony in his profile of his extraordinarily high highs and his struggles? And the advanced math teacher was really pushing back and saying this kid wasn't gifted because of executive functioning and, and, and processing speed. And and in the midst of this um, presentation and conversation with the teachers, the advanced math teacher said to me, wait a minute. Are you saying people can be gifted with slow processing speed? Yeah. And it is a resounding, all caps, bolded, underlined, and italicized yes. Yeah. <laughs> with an exclamation point at the end. <laughs> so people don't realize that giftedness is actually a special need. Whenever you get on either end of the bell curve, you are standard deviations away from norm or the middle. So there is a discrepancy and asynchrony, a difference. Um, and so the greatest irony is that people think if you're gifted, you should be gifted in all areas and everything should be easy. Mm. And people think if you have a learning difference, everything is hard and you know you aren't going to be able to be successful. Right. And so when the gift masks the challenge or the challenge masks the gift, it leads to misunderstanding. Yeah. Hence the importance of communication. Right. And hence the difficulty of of um collaborative communication because it's extraordinarily misunderstood. When a right. population is misunderstood, I'm sorry, it's extraordinarily emotional because when a population is misunderstood, when your child is misunderstood, when the parent is misunderstood, when you see people rolling their eyes because you're coming mm. down the hallway to help them understand your child and they're like, "Oh, here she comes again thinking her kid is so special or her kid is so, you know, that's really hard and then it's hard to communicate. So that's why, Tristan, I'm very proud of the fact that I work with all legs of the stool, as I say, the right. teachers, the parents, adults, and clinicians, because the most important thing is for people to understand and to be able to collaborate and to be on the same team. So to answer your specific question of when, <laughs> um, like, uh, immediately or right. later or at any time is the appropriate time. 
Um, I am all for sharing what you know yeah. as soon as you know it. Um, and there is a, and I talk about this actually, I give a lot of uh, anecdotal evidence in the book, Gifted and Distractible, about parents who think, you know, hope springs eternal. If I don't bring it up, because they had a really great summer of growth, if I mm. don't bring it up in their new school, maybe they won't notice. Maybe this will be the new start. Right. And man, you know, just not yeah. going to happen. No. <laughs> Sorry, just, just <laughs> not going to happen. And then, you know, and then we have to like unlearn a whole bunch of stuff to then relearn stuff. And so, so it's like, how do you advocate? And, and, right. and, uh, and, and that's the really important part is how do you do it? Right. In a way that fosters this collaboration. Right. Wow. And I think we hit a little bit on why it's so important. I mean, your kids got to struggle and you just mentioned how misunderstood it is. Yeah. And they have this giftedness. And because of, like you said, the struggle masks the the giftedness or vice versa. Um, but do you want to touch a bit on why it's so important that parents start that conversation with their educators? Well, because, you know, we are humans and we look through our own eyeballs. Yeah. And so we have a lot of assumptions. Right about things. And whichever way your kid is presenting more in that specific environment, which is why our kids, by the way, are teacher by teacher. So now I know every parent listening is nodding their head emphatically because we mm -hmm. all parents of two-week kids. And by the way, I raised three awesome two-week kids who are 22, 20, and 14. So, wow. so I have life. I'm like a reality TV show. I live <laughs> what I work and I work what I live. So, <laughs> um, so we know that there's going to be assumptions made and we have to actually come at advocacy in a way that is educational and open to learning because right. for a parent, the teacher may actually be able to teach you some stuff. And for a teacher, the parent definitely can teach you some stuff. Right. And so we really need to be able to collaborate. And when I train teachers, I often say, you actually might be this child's best advocate, their parents may not understand because right. parents have a whole bunch of struggles themselves. Yeah. One of the refrains that I hear from parents all the time is, oh my God, my parents never would have put up with this, right? Yeah. So they're, they're <laughs> dealing with assumptions and judgments from all over the place. Yeah. So teachers who are out there listening, professionals who are out there listening, tenderness is how you must approach a parent of a two-e child. Yeah. Because they've had a lot of experience with negativity and judgments and self-doubt. Yeah. That's very important. And I'm glad you touched on that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got top, your top 10 strategies for us today. I do. I do. So let's dive into that. What are your top 10 strategies for that successful communication? Okay, so I'm going to give you the top 10 list and yeah. then and then we can sort of decide what we want to talk about. But <laughs> the A1 number one thing is fostering relationships. And number two is to collaborate, have a collaborative approach. I have a um I have one that's called making deposits. So we're sort of investing in the future and how to make deposits in in your relationship and education between, and this is both, by the way, this is all for both sides. So when I right. say foster relationship, teachers foster relationship with parents, parents foster relationship with teachers. When I say collaborate, it goes both ways. Making deposits right. goes both ways. Giving the benefit of the doubt, mm. very important. 
this is such an emotional topic um, for both sides, right? Yeah. All of the heaviness that happens for teachers who have expectations to meet and the challenge of 35 kids in the classroom, right? right? So giving that benefit of the doubt is super important and don't take it personally. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. The ego is hard. Yeah. Role modeling, role modeling. If you consider yourself a role model, that is going to help you tweak the language that you use and how you interact. Yeah. Which leads to respect. That's number seven, respect. Yeah. You've got to really take into account how you want others to treat you as well as treating others. Um, number eight is one of my favorites, avoiding long emails. Mm -hmm. I, have a three I have a three sentence rule, so we can talk more about that. Taking a break. Taking yeah. a break is really important when you need to take a break. And then the last one is advocate, always being in that role of an advocate Yeah. when you are discussing your child or when you are discussing your learner, your student. Right. So those are the top 10. Okay. Thank you. A great list. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I think even just hearing that is probably helpful, like a good reminder to some parents and teachers. Um, but I would love to hop into that first one that you said, foster relationships. I think that is so important. And I, you might have some hints on how to best foster relationships. Yeah. So that's kind of like the lead off. It's the A1 number one thing. When I um, when I talk to parents and when I train teachers, I have six categories of strategies that I teach. And the first one is personal connection. So yeah. I'm all about this. And fostering relationships is, is a two-way street. So while the focus is the child, it's still really important to learn about the teacher. Yeah. The teacher went into teaching for a reason. And if you find out like why and you take interest in who they are as a human, what their interests are, it does a lot of things. First yeah. of all, it and, and same way with parents, right? Like for teachers to, to understand, um, particularly right now with the way the world is, what is going on in yeah. this family? What is going, what's happening? If they don't offer it themselves, ask questions. Um, and so what it does is, it not only makes somebody feel understood, right? With understanding comes calm, but makes right. somebody feel understood. It makes them feel important. They become more dimensional right. and it allows them to really um, connect in a way that the parent can then talk to the child or the teacher can talk to the child in a way that's relatable, right? right? Like, cause, cause now you know about what's happening and the parent can sort of like fill in the blanks and give dimension to the teacher. Right. Um, and, and this way you actually are having a relationship that is built on something more than just the kid and how they're doing in the classroom. Oh yeah. So sometimes I recommend that, um, teachers encourage parents to communicate. So like at back to school night, have parents write their address on a envelope, every single oh, parent, yeah. and then take the time to literally handwrite one sentence. Today, Johnny was the one who invited the new child, the new student in our class to play with him. Oh, Today, yeah. Sally raised her hand um, and is always the first to offer to help pass out papers or collect papers right. or, or wow, I can tell 
Jill is so interested in our bio lab, whatever it is, yeah. what happens is, first of all, how many people have received a handwritten note <laughs> in the last, right. I don't know how long, <laughs> right? So number one, no, so it begs to be hung up right. on a wall or refrigerator, right? And so then the kid sees it and feels, well, the same thing is true for, um, you know, really and I'm I'm actually jumping into the, these are related the foster relationships which is the number one all, everything all, the rest of the nine are within that umbrella right right so um another thing that I can say specifically to fostering relationships is I love to say to teachers find the hardest kid to love and love him the hardest yeah. We try really hard to not have assumptions or preconceived notions, but let's face it, you heard from your colleague, whether mm -hmm. it's at the school you're in now or a former school, about what this kid did in the cafeteria, on the playground, or in the hallway, right. whatever it is, right? right? And so rather than, again, hope springing eternal, instead of like hoping that this year the kid's going to, quote, shape up, <laughs> how about we like learn who this kid is, spend some one-on-one -on -one time with that child, whether it's a 60-second interview or hopefully a little bit longer, five minutes will be lovely, and find out right. what makes this kid tick and what ticks this kid off. Yeah. And, and then another really great thing that I recommend to teachers is that they create a survey and they ask all of the students in their classroom the same questions, sort of like even just, just information, like who has a pet and who's traveled to different places and who yeah. likes what show and what book and what game and what. And then when you look at that and you create a spreadsheet, now you can make actually informed grouping of kids, yeah. groupings of kids, and they can naturally bond. And for a two-week kid who has a really hard time, starting relationships and keeping relationships sometimes yeah. this makes it a little bit easier for them you're learning about the kids you're helping the kids learn about each other and so that is really really important and yeah. teachers you should really feel like you can and should share your philosophy of why you're teaching and what you oh, love about yeah. what you do that's so important for parents to know Oh yeah. And I mean, I'm sure some of this happens at, you know, like the back to, back to school nights or like parent teacher nights. So would you encourage that to be, um, I guess where the parent does a lot of the beginning of that fostering the relationship with the teacher? Cause a lot like teachers fostering their relationship with their kids, I think can happen. It happens in the classroom every day, but the parents don't get as much of that FaceTime with that teacher. Um, right. So where do you think they start that off? Well, truthfully, I recommend that parents of two-way kids um, request at the beginning of the year, usually the second or third week in to school. Um, a lot of people think that it should be before school, but I a little bit feel like, you know, the kid is going to be who the kid is. There's a honeymoon period. And then yeah. like, let's have some, some facts to talk about. Um, but I really like for parents to meet with all of the teachers who lay their eyes on this kid at, from, you know, science to music, to art, to gym. Gym is really important actually. Yeah. Um, to have all the teachers there. And, and the third part of the book actually has work. It, it, I have 25 worksheets in there, but some of them are how do we craft our child's story and how do we advocate? And, mm. and a lot of that is in there. How do we, how do we create specific goals and action items and measurables? And how do we identify a quarterback in the classroom? Yeah. So there's a lot to be done at the beginning of the year. But if you're listening to this and it's not the beginning of the year, which is likely the case, 
it's never too late. So right. you're always welcome to send an email. Do you know how many negative emails teachers get? If you send yeah. an email that says, hey, I never had the chance to ask about you. And I'm just appreciative of the work that you do. I know how hard it is. And, you know, I'd love to learn more about what you do if the if the teacher hasn't told you that. Or right. even just to even just to say at this point, like, thanks for all the work you're doing. I know this is it's hard. I know it's hard what you're doing. And I'm here if I can support you in any way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you, we talked about the fostering relationships. Um, we haven't hit necessarily on collaborate. I don't know if you want to give a little bit about that, but I'm very interested in make deposits because that I can infer a lot about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Making deposits is a cool way to think of it. So just real quickly collaborating is, um, I, I think about uh, circling the wagons, right. Of, of the grownups in a two week kid's life. That's why I don't work with kids. I work with the grownups because, My mission is to bring out the best and raise self-confidence in two humans. Um, and for me, circling the wagons, whether they are the parents, the teachers, or two adults themselves, right. uh, the kids don't have the power. And there's so much misunderstanding. And the grownups need to understand so that the kids don't mislearn what's right. going on with them or, and have all sorts of negative self-affect um, and negative self-concept. So this circling the uh, this collaborating is really circling the wagons and working together and understanding that kids have to feel safe and understood parents need to feel heard teachers want to feel respected and appreciated and those are sort of the goals that we that we keep in mind i mean i even talk to parents about you know like don't badmouth your teacher if your teacher right. is like driving you crazy and is inappropriate in some way in your opinion the teacher's the person to talk to or yep. somebody above the teacher but having that conversation in front of or to your child undermines any sort of relationship absolutely and you know helping to get just that benefit of the doubt is so important absolutely yeah I think that's a really big one. Um, the not bad mouthing your teacher or, you know, however that works out, because like you said, it undermines the teacher. That kid's gonna go back to school and not have any respect for their teacher. It's gonna exactly. be even worse. And they don't they're not gonna necessarily gonna know why, right? Or they're going to think they have a valid reason for undermining that teacher or having that relationship with no respect. Um, but in reality, it's just gonna make their life a little harder. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and let's, there are teachers out there who do not understand the two-week profile, right. who come from a deficit focus, who who call our kids lazy or manipulative or right. oppositional defiant, which I don't even believe is a thing. Who could possibly <laughs> be that on purpose? So, right. so uh, you know, there are teachers who are not suited to teach or and certainly are not trained. Actually, right. almost nobody is trained to teach two-week kids. Now oh, no. we're seeing more and more graduate programs popping up, thank God. But you know, the, so when that happens and when a child is in a toxic environment, no doubt about it, you got to get your kid out of there. But first we have to sort of try and educate and make sure people understand. Um, Otherwise you're going to be burning down the world every year. Oh yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, So let's hop into that make deposits. Yeah, this is a great one. So (laughs) making deposits. So it's, it's, um, you know, teachers make deposits and parents make deposits. So teachers make deposits in the trust bank account. So this means that teachers have our kids all day long. And so if you can create trust in a parent, 
then you are going to be able to have an easier time when things are difficult. So again, that back to school envelope, um, emailing a, a parent when something goes well is so important that the, you're knowing that their child is a valued part of the class. The more that the parent understands that you see their child and their child's strengths or positives, the more they can relax and trust the process. Yeah. So it's really important to intentionally give positive feedback often. In fact, I tell um, I tell teachers to have a stack of sticky notes and write each kid's name on one sticky note. So you make sure during the year, at some point, you are popping one of those sticky notes on the kid's desk and it says, mm. I see you are concentrating or right. wow, you're, and it's not about thanking or I'm proud of you, but it's actually on noticing efforts. Yeah. And that is just a really beautiful thing to do. And while we're talking about making deposits um, with parents, for teachers, doing so through their kid is also a really beautiful way to do oh, that. Oh, yeah. Now for parents, they are making deposits in, um, it's twofold. It's in the positive perspective bank account. And that means two things. One, positive perspective about the classroom and the teacher right. and positive perspective about the kid. Okay. So it teachers see your kid in the classroom, right? Not their best moments. <laughs> and they see them only there, right? Exactly. So, so how do we help them see that our kids actually are engaged and lovers of learning, doing whatever in flow at times by literally sending a photograph of the child involved in whatever. If you are a philanthropic family and you go and you serve homeless women, do not take a picture of your child with their arm around the woman, but actually serving the woman. Correct. Or if your child is a reader and, you know, not holding up the finished book, but like hanging off the side of the couch, reading the book. <laughs> or if your child is a Lego builder, right? Not holding up their finished product, but actually in the midst of doing it. Right. Whatever they do, because... This demonstrates, gives a visual image to the teacher of your child actually involved, engaged in doing something that they love. Right. Now, the, the positive perspective bank account of sharing something positive about the classroom or the teacher is also really important because, again, our teachers receive negative feedback so often. Right. And so being able to say even, you know, uh, Tristan, boy, she loves that book you're reading during lunch. <laughs> Thanks for picking such a really fun, interesting book. Or, right. you know, Gary is just all over that fetal pig lab. He really is so interested in biology. Can you suggest any deeper reading for him? Something that right. just so that they know something they're saying is coming through into this child's yeah. head. It's so important. This So making these deposits yields dividends of confidence and appreciation right. at the end. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen that with at RLC even um, two things. So one, we did something last year where we had all of our kiddos color in little um, paper versions of the Squishmallow that has dyslexia. It's very cute. And mm -hmm. when we got to see all the kids that were so involved in it, it brought us a lot of joy. And we felt like we finally found something that the kids could relate to, even if it is a stuffed animal, but it made, it brought them joy to have like a buddy. Um, 
And that it was cool for us to see them so involved and in actually wanting to color it in and, you know, stick it on the wall so they could see it at the center and all that. Um, and then sometimes we get parent emails that say like, Johnny's doing great and he's really liking reading now, which is such a big breakthrough. Um, mm-hmm. And when our therapists get those emails, it just really, ignites you. It does. It just yeah. brings like so much joy into their hearts and they feel like, okay, this kid wants to be here and they feel accomplished and they feel successful. And that's like our goal. So it, it does make a difference. Yeah. And I think, I think it really does come down to with understanding comes calm, right? Like the parents yeah. want to feel understood and want to feel their kids understood. Teachers want to feel understood and, and it goes all the way around. So it's so easy to send a complaint. And for some reason we forget to send like the good stuff. Right. And it's really, we appreciate it for sure, yeah. but we don't remember that we should actually say, or write a quick, write a quick email or send a message. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's do benefit of the doubt and don't take it personally together. <laughs> sure. Well, we can. Um, so giving the benefit of the doubt, I, I'm just going to say very briefly, there's one beautiful sentence that I love to talk about within this idea of giving the benefit of the doubt, which is you don't seem like yourself what's going on. So let's unpack that. If a teacher said that to a parent, a parent is like emotional and angry and it's such a diffuser, right? right? I see you. I see you're melting down, but I know that's not you. I right. know you what what's happening. Like, let me step back and and not take it personally. <laughs> there, right. That's how we did it. How did you know that was going to go together? So hey, well, <laughs> gold star. Um, so, but we can say that also to a teacher. We can right. say that to a kid. We can say it to our partner or our spouse. Right. Right. So, giving that student the benefit of the doubt. Uh, if if people are aware of Ross Green with a I think Ross Green has an E at the end of green. Yes. But now I'm now I'm doubting myself. Anyway, no, right. <laughs> he talks about right like kids do well if they can. That's the greatest benefit of the doubt. It's so true. So what's yeah. going on? What do you need? How can I help you? Right. Right. Normalizing that situation and kind of dissipating all the ancillary emotions that come with that behavior, stop and say, Hey, I know this isn't what you want to be doing right now. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's the, don't take it personally. I wrote a uh, blog. So I've been writing a blog a month since 2014. They're all on oh, my wow. website and it was called Lego, my ego. So <laughs> if I'm dating myself, which I probably am, but there was this ad campaign for Lego, my ego, which was a yeah. ego waffle. And now I'm like going into a rabbit hole. But anyway, <laughs> Lego, my ego yeah. talks about the importance of parents and teachers, like not letting ego get in the way. Right. You know, once ego is inflated, it easily pops, right? Like a balloon. Oh, yeah. Whereas flexibility, right? allows us to kind of roll with it a little right. bit and allows for collaboration. Absolutely. Well, thank you. You did a fabulous job of pretzeling those things together. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it had everything to do with the way you asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All righty. So you've got role model next, which I don't know that I would have thought of. And so now I'm very curious about how you phrase this, how you tell us about this. Yeah. So I also wrote a blog actually taking the um, National Institute of Mental Health um, characteristics of PTSD and overlaying oh. it on the parenting experience of parenting to a kid. Wow. And they're pretty much one to per one. So wow. 
that means we may not, as parents, be our best selves all the time, right? And if we can stop and say to ourselves, is this how I want my kid to be talking to somebody? Mm. If as a teacher, we can say, is this how I want my student to talk to other students or to grownups? Right. Whoa, that kind of stops us in our tracks. Absolutely. Right. So if you say as a parent or a teacher to a student who is just pushing your buttons and (laughs) triggering you big time, Mm -hmm. if you can say, you know, I'm starting to feel my shoulders go up toward my ears and my belly is kind of getting tight. Right. I can tell I'm feeling a little anxious and maybe strong emotions right now. And I don't want to say anything that I'll regret. So I just want to take a break for a second and we'll come back and talk about this. Now, imagine your student or your child saying, hey, you know what? My body is feeling really stressed. I think I need to take a break so I don't say anything to offend you. Oh, that would be yeah. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> but they can't learn that unless we show them. Yep. So it's role modeling by observing, reading the room, observing the child, observing your own emotions, and being able to pivot and do something that you want your child or your student to do in a moment of stress. Right. Yeah. And that sounds like a lot of um, mutual respect has to happen for... Look at you going right into number seven. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ask yourself, is what I'm about to say going to help or hurt the situation? And by the way, is it going to change the situation? Right. And by the way, is it going to teach any skills? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty important. Yeah. So am I about to do something that's going to help or hurt the situation? Am I going to do something that's going to change the situation? There's a great quote. I have it in my book, but it's from a yoga book that I love that says something to the effect of um, when you're considering talking, Mm -hmm. will it improve upon the silence? Wow. (laughs) And if it's not improving upon the silence, like, you know, put those words back in reserve. (laughs) Save them for another day. Yeah. That's a so great we, quote. Yeah. How do we, and, and I, I totally butchered it because it's a longer, it's like, it's like three questions and I'm trying to remember what they are right now. Oh, my head's okay. camp, but, yeah. but it's a beautiful quote about does, do your words improve upon the silence? Right. Yeah. That's powerful. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can also lead into the next one, which is long emails. And I'm, yes, yeah, so this is my favorite one, avoiding yeah. long emails. Um, <laughs> Because how many of us, raise your hand, because I know you're out there, how many of us have um, got opened up our emails and there's like, yes, somebody has just fire hosed a bunch mm-hmm. of words on a page. Mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> so, okay, here's my rule. Ready? If your email is more than three sentences, it's a meeting. Oh. It's not an email. That's a good point. If you receive an email that's more than three sentences, unless Mm -hmm. there's one exception, and my exception is I teach parents um, to advocate in a certain way, and there's always a follow-up email, but I still want that bulleted. So that might be a little longer than three sentences, but it's really a summary of what happened, and it's it's not um, inflammatory in any way. Right. Um, And so 
if you receive an email as a parent or a teacher, because I have both have received very long emails, right? you have my permission not to read it wow. and to say, I received your email. I think we should probably meet to talk about this. Yeah. That's okay to do. Yeah. And whoa, if you're like really angry and frustrated, knock yourself out and write. I mean, I'm a writer. <laughs> I love to write. Right. Just don't send. Absolutely. Get it out, do the therapy, and then the email is, hey, um, I'd like to talk about something. Can we schedule a Zoom or an in-person meeting? Absolutely. And it's so important because yeah. so many bad things happen from long emails. I was going to say, I mean, it's just the the experience, especially of parents or and teachers or educators or someone who's helping their student in any capacity, when you don't, if you haven't fostered the relationship, or if you just don't know a ton about the way that that person communicates, emails can get scary really quickly because you just don't know how that person speaks via email because it's just words on a page, right? Yeah. So it's always hard, especially if you get a super long email, if you're going to read it and you could take their tone a completely different way than they actually mean it. So it's nice to have that meeting if you're going to have any sort of emotion written into your or email. Even, or even a phone call, you know, right. I, and I get it. There are introverted people and there are people who are non, uh, you know, combative or right. non-confrontational. And I get that this is hard, but I'm here to tell you, if you follow this rule in every area of your life, yeah. like whenever I talk about this and there's a professional in the room there, you know, like a totally not 2E um professional, but a professional who's like a parent or what they're like, Oh my God, I wish we could do that in my office. Yeah. You know, it will save time. I know yeah. we feel like email is so much easier and it'll be so much easier, but it's so much harder to untangle once that genie is out of the box. Oh yeah. <laughs> out of the bottle. I guess I just kind of um, conflated too. I liked it. <laughs> makes sense. Anyway. My genie lives in a box. <laughs> I, I'm outside the box, you know, really. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was good. Um, so we're gonna avoid the long emails. And the next thing is take a break. Yeah. So if you are the person writing an email or receiving the email, I promise you you're gonna need a break. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's okay, right? So also, by the way, very few emails require an immediate response. I am an immediate responder. I yeah. am seriously an email immediate responder. Um, for two reasons. One, my stakeholders are usually dying to have some oh, information. Yeah. Um, and two, because my, I, let me look, 12,161 emails is what my email says right now. Oh, so I want to get them out of my inbox. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So, but uh, we do not have to respond right away. Right. And it is so important to use nature or music or um, movement. Mm -hmm. Breathing, walk away, right? take a break. And yeah. you can even say, remember when we used to talk about role modeling, you can say, you know what? I think now is a really good time for us to take a break. This is really important for us to talk about, but right. I'm not feeling my best self. So can we come back together like in about 20 minutes or right. tomorrow? And that is a really good role modeling moment. Yeah. It gives you a, a moment break. to diffuse. <laughs> Yeah. And just kind of like reorient. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And your last blurb on here is advocate. Yeah. So the 10, number 10 
And you're like, like, well, wait a minute, this is the top 10 for advocating. So why is advocated and advocating <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So um, the reason is we have to remember that we are in the role of an advocate, whether we're a parent, a teacher, TUI professional. Um, and and hopefully at some point, our TUI kids will right. learn from our role modeling and our, our direct um, teaching of how to describe and teach others about ourselves and our profile um, we'll learn that they are also in an advocacy role. Right. So the idea is to set very specific goals. You cannot knock out 10 goals. You, no. You've really got to pick one or two. Yeah. Um, when I talk about parents, to talk to parents about having their parent planning meeting, I always say for, for the week ahead, you've got one expectation you get to work on. One. Yeah. Right? Like you have 25 on your list. Oh, yeah. One. Because let's let's knock them out and get them done in a really holistic way that promotes learning and education. So setting specific goals, talking about action items that will lead to those goals. Mm -hmm. And when I say to create a specific goal, usually my litmus test is if you said the goal, would a four-year-old know where to start? Oh my gosh. So we want a goal that's really specific. Right. Not Johnny's going to learn to write. Right. But through working with specific person, Johnny will understand how to write a topic sentence, you know, right. right? Like we, it's going to be really specific. Oh yeah. So now we need our, our, so we have our goals followed by action, a list of action items, right? followed by measurables mm-hmm. and timelines of who are, and who's the quarterback, who's in charge, who do right. we talk to? How often do we get updates and do we come together to collaborate to see how we're doing? Right. Like who's keeping track? Yeah. So that again is my one exception to the three sentence rule when we need to recap or highlight from a meeting. Right. But that advocacy role is super important. If you go in because you're pissed because somebody said or didn't say did or didn't do something, right. you're going to not really move the dial. Yeah. So you got to really think about what is my specific goal and what are the steps? And if you don't know the steps, that's okay. That's why we're collaborating between right. parents and teachers to yeah. develop those goals together. Yeah, that is, I, I love the one goal. <laughs> you got one goal this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because sometimes the list, the laundry list is so long that you're scared. You don't know where to start. You're stuck trying to figure it out. you don't out. know where to start, you know, the kid doesn't know where to start. No, not at all. So it's good. You pick <laughs> one goal and you say, well. Yeah. This has these things that follow up. And I'm sure once parents sit down with someone to figure that out or write it out themselves, like the action items that go along with that goal, they're like, oh, you know what? We can't only get this one goal done this week because yeah. it takes all of these things. And by the way, collaborating with your kid to find out what goal matters to them. Yeah. And like how they think it could be best achieved right. will give you lots of information. Yeah. So, so really, you know, I'm starting to say this a lot lately, which is if I have to leave you with one word, it's pause. Mm. <laughs> We're all like head down and going forward. And I love it. I love the enthusiasm and the deep desire to make things better for your child or your learner, your student. But we have to pause and think about like, who are we serving with this plan in our head? And have we put all the stakeholders, including the child, at the forefront to figure out what works for them? Yeah, because that's that's what's important. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been fabulous. 
<laughs> Absolutely Bad. fabulous. Thank you for sharing your strategies with us. And you mentioned that they're in your book. These are in the book, right? Some oh, yeah. Are. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. The book has, the book is divided in three parts okay. to mirror my cycle for success. So understanding, understanding 2E in general and the child in front of you specifically. Right. Strategies based on that understanding and then advocacy. And within the advocacy part of the book, um, there are several chapters and one of them contains the top 10 list and there are 25 worksheets at the end. And like I said, in February, 2023, we're launching a course with a workbook and everything to go along with the book. That's so exciting. Oh my gosh. Okay. So people should keep their ears to the ground for that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, their ears to the ground, or they could subscribe to Gifted and Distractable, a weekly free newsletter. And you can do that on my website at withunderstandingcomescolumn.com. It comes out weekly. You get my blog, my vlog, articles for all the stakeholders, and then what we call the WUC roundup, WUC being with Understanding Comes Calm. And it's kind of like (laughs) where I'm speaking all over the place. And then where are there two events all over the place? Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Julie. This has been absolutely fabulous. Thank you, Tristan. I'm so glad to be here. And I'm so glad to talk about this topic because sometimes we think, oh yeah, I know how to, I know how to talk with teachers or I know mm-hmm. how to talk with parents or, oh, I don't really, I don't think there's any way to talk with parents or right. I'm not sure there's any way to talk, right? But there really is. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've made it very actionable. <laughs> <laughs> that is my jam. <laughs> Well, you do it well. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Tristan, for having me. And thank you, everybody who's listening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I appreciate you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much to the audience for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a little rating and review. It helps other folks find the podcast. And we'll chat with you next time. 